Welcome to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and we talk about things such as evolution, creation, moral absolutes, moral relativism. So we're talking about a whole lot of ideas here. And we have a website called creationtraining.org. That's all one word, creationtraining.org. We have many items out there that you can see for free. We have a lot of videos out there. We have audios out there. And even a lot of my PowerPoint slides from when I speak are out there for free download. Well, today we have a guest with us, uh, Dr. Heinz Leklama. And Dr. Leklama, uh, uh, welcome to the show and um, appreciate your, your time coming here. Good to be here. Now, I want to make sure everybody understands what your background is. I, and I want to start it by asking you a question. Can a real scientist believe in a literal six-day creation? I believe he can. You believe he can. Now, how do you know that? And let's hear about your credentials. Okay. Well, my background is in uh, physics, engineering physics. I have my bachelor's degree in that. And then after that, I went to graduate school and got my doctorate in uh, experimental nuclear physics, all of this at McMaster University in Canada. So you have a PhD in experimental nuclear physics, and you also have some computer background. I do. Uh, after I graduated, we moved to the States, we moved to New Jersey, and I had the privilege of uh, working at Bell Telephone Labs, which is the primary research lab uh, in the U.S. Okay, so you were instrumental then in uh, setting up some of the worldwide computer standards that we see today on the Internet? Yes, at the time I started at Bell Labs, uh, Unix was just getting started, the Unix operating system, and TCP IP, which is the communication protocol you know, used throughout the world, was also just starting up. So I got in the ground floor on so that. So you were really instrumental, and you were a real person that helped set up the Internet worldwide standards. Y yes. yes. I okay, spent, just want to make sure everybody understands that. You have really done that because your picture's in the books. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so you also are a bit of an athlete, too. Uh, yes, I had the privilege of being a uh, wrestler in high school and uh, in Ontario, Canada, and I, I um, earned the title of 138-pound uh, 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 wrestling uh, okay. champ in, in uh, Ontario, second in Ontario. So if I were to take one of my javelins and chuck it at you, you could get out of the way or knock it down? I could get out of the way because then actually in university I took up uh, judo and did that for five years. Okay. So yeah. I'm going to be very polite to you today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be really nice to you. Now, um, you're a six-day creationist. You I am. believe what the Bible says, you don't add to it or, or subtract from it like a lot of pastors are doing. That is correct, yeah. Why do you have, and you teach about this also. I do. Why do you have a passion to do this? Well, I have a passion to do that. My parents and uh, my wife's parents are very devout uh, believers, and uh, our family immigrated from the Holland to Canada after the war, Second World War, and, uh, and that's where I got all of my education. Um, I, I'm one of ten children. My, my parents sacrificed their uh, time in Holland. My father could have been, uh, owned my grandfather's farm and, and built on that, but he decided to immigrate to Canada. And so uh, w I grew up there, and I had a passion for math and science. That was my favorite topics. And I knew if I was going to go to university, I was not going to be able to depend on my father to provide for that, having 10 children. Aren't you lucky that was way before we had this thing called Common Core? <laughs> That's right. That's right. But it, So anyway, I had the privilege of, of uh, uh, doing that. 
you know, earning scholarships to pay the way. And uh, so I really appreciate that uh, sacrifice that my father made for that. And you worked your way all the way through college and getting your uh, doctorate degree. I did, yeah. Now, uh, tell us a bit about your, some more about your family. It's, you got some interesting things there yeah, also. Yeah, well, we grew up in a very strong uh, uh, belief in the Bible, and I was privileged for that. Our, we have five children, and they all grew up in that environment too. Uh, the first thing, when I went to university, I was challenged with a question from the geology professor who said, uh, you know, you, you may believe what the Bible says, but the, the truth is, look at all these layers in geology. Look at all the fossils which prove so-called evolution. And I knew I had a challenge there. Now, isn't it a shame we have a lot of teachers out there, and they really should know better. They're supposed to be uh, uh, objective in their teaching. They're supposed to teach the truth. We hope they are. Mm -hmm. But we find that's not true all the time. Yeah. And I can't necessarily directly criticize all these teachers that are teaching evolutionism because they are mandated by almost by law to teach evolutionism and nothing else. There was something wrong in our education system. Uh, that's true today. But in, in, in my day when I grew up and, and as our children matured and, and uh, became teenagers, uh, I felt a uh, compelled to teach them the truth of the Bible and science. Since I was trained as a scientist, I had to reconcile the two. Because if God is who he says he is, I realized that his general revelation and what we see in nature had to agree with what's in the Bible. So that was my challenge. My oldest daughter, for example, when she went to public school in New Jersey, came uh, home one day and, and told my wife, uh, Gerda, that we came from apes. Um, I said, that's, I gotta do something about this. So that's when I got involved in studying that, the whole issue of creation versus evolution. And I credit her for getting me started in that. You made a very important comment there that um, how to reconcile the Bible and science, but you said, well, if God is who we believe he is, then the scientific evidence must support his word. Yes. And you start with that viewpoint. You start with the Bible is true. You know, we have a lot of pastors out there today, and a lot of our Christian university professors who simply don't believe that. Yes. Isn't that a shame? They do not accept the Bible as true, so they try and reinvent it the way the world wants it to teach. Uh, right. So, wow. Uh, God must have given you that, that gift of just believing God's Word and standing on it and not wavering at all. Uh, that's correct, and, and I feel that's very important, and that's why I have a passion for... Um, apologetics in general, and particularly creation versus evolution, because I understand that the, the questions that kids are asking, particularly high school, college, are, you know, where did we come from? How, how do we reconcile these two different truths, so to speak? And, and in my course, I developed a course on Christian apologetics where I asked the big question, is that, does what you believe to be true match reality? And the reality being what we see around us. What a good question, and especially today when our seminaries are becoming what we might call cemeteries. Because <laughs> we have a lot of people in our seminaries they don't even, are teaching Adam and Eve are not real people. Yeah. Uh, we've got a problem. It can be dangerous to go to our seminaries. Uh, my, my thing on that is either change who our professors are there, or maybe we don't need our seminaries anymore. Well, I, I think the problem is people are not asking the critical questions. How do you know 
that what you're being tool, uh, yes. told is, is the truth. Yes, we're not hiring people who believe God's Word anymore in our seminaries. Yeah. We've got a problem there. But also, you you told me an interesting story. You've got five children. Five children. And uh, what really got you interested in, you also have a website uh, called what? Apologetics uh, Forum? Uh, well, HeinzLaclama.com, oh. which is my personal website, which I maintain all of my lectures. And so they're there for anybody to look at. And uh, you had a very special daughter, one of your five children. Can you tell us about that and how it got you really fired up into this? Yeah. Well, our oldest daughter, who's, who uh, her name is Audrey, who w came home from school that day and said, uh, our teacher says we came from apes. That's when I knew I had to do something serious about this. And uh, uh, fortunately for her, unfortunately for us, we lost her three years ago, but she's not, we know she's with the Lord, and she was very passionate about what we do in our ministry of apologetics. And so I, I feel... Um, that she really motiva motivated me to keep this ministry going, and we, we have. And now you're reaching out to many people everywhere uh, with, with your apologetics ministry. Tell us a little bit about what you do in your apologetics ministry, and also how they can get a hold of you and bring you in as a speaker. Yeah. Well, I, I got started, you know, as our kids were all teenagers, you know, five teenagers in the house at one time. <laughs> Did you have any food for you and your wife left? <laughs> yeah, and, and so that was a, a, and they were going through a, to a small church, and I got involved in teaching the Sunday school, teaching about creation evolution and other apologetics topics. And, and so that's got me started, and as I developed those um, uh, courses and the lectures, I felt I need to be able to share this with others. And so uh, in our church, another church. I, I headed up the missions committee for 10 years, and so I have a lot of missionary contacts around the world, and uh, I asked them the question, what is your need in the Bible schools that you have there? And one was apologetics. So I developed a course in apologetics, which I gave at many of the Bible schools over there, and they're still uh, you know, being used today, and the, the lectures are all available. And for your ministry, you bring speakers into your for your ministry then. Now, where, where are you located? Yeah, we're, we live in Arlington, Washington, which is just north of Seattle. And uh, we actually started the Apologetics Forum uh, in 2013, three years ago. And uh, this was just after our oldest daughter had passed away and, and we weren't able to travel for a while. And so we developed this local Apologetics Forum, which can be found on the web at apologeticsforum.org. Okay. And, and that's where uh, all the information about the forum, which is a local forum for doing apologetics, uh, we bring in different speakers for that. Okay. But if they wanted to get hold of you to go to the website, HeinzLaclama.com, they can find out how to contact you and bring you into their church organization, and they can get an experimental nuclear physicist <laughs> come speak to them. Yes. <laughs> You're not going to teach them how to make bombs, are you? No, no. <laughs> okay. okay. No. So, so all the lectures are there and, and how to get in contact with me and what we do okay. is on that uh, website. Very good. Now, one of the things you also talk about is um, we've got many religion books out there. What's the difference between the Bible and these other religion books? Yeah. Good question. Uh, because I, I believe the Bible is unique. You know, I've looked uh, at a lot of other religions to see what they say. And there are so-called uh, 300 holy books out there representing different uh, religions. None of them contain the contents that the Bible uh, has, nothing like it. The Bible assumes that God is who he says he is by the very first verse. You know, and God... Uh, I, 
in the beginning, you know, I created the heavens and the earth. So God exists right there. And all the rest of the Bible supports that verse and that first chapter uh, of Genesis. Well, let's go into Let's spend a little bit of time on that issue right there, The why the Bible is true, why we know the yeah. Bible is true, not yeah. believe, but we know it is true right. and is the Word and, of God. And from a, a point of view, uh, I look at history you know, that's in the Bible. Is that true? You look at secular history, and uh, when you understand the secular history properly, how they came to that conclusion, it matches the Bible. History. Uh, Luke is one of the well-known historians in the Bible who wrote two books, the Gospel according to Luke and uh, the Book of Acts. If you look at the, uh, the nations that he mentions there, the countries that he, he mentions, the people, uh, the events, uh, titles of leaders and all these things, skeptics said that that's not all true. But all of those things have been proven to be true historically through relics, through um, um, archaeology finds. And we have a lot of external evidence to support that so in some of the museums like the British Museum of Natural History. Here are tablets there, not, in the, not written by, the, uh, by Moses or anybody else in the Bible, but secular people that exactly match what Correct. we find in the Bible. The yeah. battles fought, the people that were there. Yeah. So yeah, we have external evidence there yeah, that agrees. Yeah, so, so archaeology supports the Bible. In, in fact, even secular archaeologists, atheist archaeologists, use the Bible as a guide for where to find, you know, where to dig up some of these uh, antiques. So archaeology confirms it, history confirms it, geography confirms it, and uh, very importantly, prophecy confirms the truth of the Bible. Prophecy. Now, how many other religions talk about prophecy? Uh, none. There, there are some general prophecies in some books, so-called holy books, but they're not very specific. They're very general. And in, in most cases, they don't speak about prophecy at all. When you say See, general, it's going to be like, it's going to rain in Seattle next year. Yeah. <laughs> that's a general. <laughs> that's, that's a good example. I'm pretty close. I'm, yeah. I'll be you, right you'll, there. You'll be right one day. Okay. <laughs> but uh, specifically, I want to mention the fact that People don't know that there are more than a thousand prophecies in all the books of the Bible. More than half of those have already been fulfilled. And even skeptics agree that they have been fulfilled. People know about the Messianic prophecies, of course, from the book of Isaiah and Psalms. And, and they agree those have been fulfilled, but they don't know about these others. So the Bible's 100% accurate in prophecy, archaeology, history, geography. Yes. But here's the tough one. What about science? Haven't the scientists proven the Bible's wrong? Uh, no, as a matter of fact. Uh, you, you wouldn't use the Bible as a science textbook. However, there are enough scientific statements in the Bible to test whether they are true or not. In some cases, like uh, some of the verses in Genesis written you know, uh, 3,500 uh, years ago or so, you know, how did Moses get some of those scientific statements correct? Let's go through some of the science that we find in there. And I like the fact you said it's not a science textbook because that's good. You know what we do with our science textbooks? Constantly change them. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're constantly finding out new things. Right. And we found out they're full of errors. Yeah. But the Bible's never had to change. Let's go through some of the science for the people out there uh, that we do find in the Bible that has never had to change. Uh, could you give us a couple examples of some of the things you're, you're familiar with there? Yeah. 
Uh, well, starting out in the book of Genesis and Leviticus, Moses writes um, uh, about the fact that the life is in the blood. Well, that tells us something. You know, we better keep our blood flowing because it's life that he speaks of. Well, doctors didn't understand until uh, just a few hundred years ago that, you know, we used to drain the blood out of the veins to remove a disease from somebody. Now they understand you can't do that because you're removing their very life. And there's an example of people who died from the extraction of the blood out of the vessel. So Moses wrote that already. How did he know to write that way? Another example is uh, book of Genesis. Moses writes that the male child should be circumcised on the eighth day. Why the eighth day? Why not, well, in a week or so, or six days, or 10 days, or what have you? No, eight days. Doctors didn't understand till just a few hundred years ago that the immune system of a child is at its maximum on day eight, and the blood clotting uh, material in the blood is also at maximum strength on day eight. You can see the curves. Doctors can measure that today. How did Moses get day eight? That's a, this is fascinating stuff, huh? that the Bible was way ahead of our scientists, wasn't it? Yeah. Now there's other fascinating things on, on science. Uh, let's go to some more examples we find in science. Uh, we've heard this term, flat earth. Are Christians really flat earthers that don't believe in evolution? Uh, no, they aren't. And, and in fact, uh, we can go back in history and show that early believers, even the fathers uh, of the church, know, knew that the earth wasn't flat. They could say, like in Isaiah 40, verse 22, the uh, earth uh, hangs on nothing. It, there's a circle there. there. There's a curvature. To the in other words, almost 3,000 years ago, in the Bible, it taught the earth was round, and it sits on nothing. It's just out there. Yeah, just out there. Correct. Wow, our modern astronomers didn't know much about that. They didn't. So there we have, the earth is round in the Bible about 3,000 years ago. Yeah. So we're not the flat earthers right. at all. And, and another good example is uh, uh, where even in the early books, uh, Moses wrote, and uh, Je Jeremiah wrote uh, later on, that the stars are too numerous to count. And yet astronomers up until the 15th, 16th century said, well, there's about a, a thousand stars out there, a thousand, one thousand. Well, that sounds like the Bible has got it wrong. But with the invention of the telescope, astronomers were able to identify the fact that there are millions, billions, in fact, gazillions of stars out there. I like those numbers now. Here's a tough one. Is a gazillion bigger than a bazillion bigger than a zillion? <laughs> yeah. No. And actually, they estimate about a quintillion number of stars. Yeah. We got, what, the millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions, quintillions? Yeah. That's a lot of stars yeah. out there. Yeah. We couldn't count that in a hundred lifetimes. That's right. So they are too numerous to count. Oh, yeah. And in fact, uh, the, the Bible is very specific. Specific in a way, it says the number of stars is uh, about the same as the grains of sand on the seashore. Well, we can estimate the number of grains of sand on the on the seashore. Uh, you know, it comes out to be a, a, a ten to the power of twenty-two. And actually, now astronomers know that there are about a um, hundred uh, billion stars out there per galaxy, and there's a hundred billion stars on average or say 100 billion uh, galaxies out there as well. So those numbers match. So how did the Bible get it right? It's amazing science right there in the Bible. 
And uh, we talked to you earlier, you were talking about the hydraulic cycle? Yeah, the, the hydrological cycle, uh, which is, um, you know, water gathers in the clouds and it comes down uh, on the land and then goes back to where it came from, which is the oceans and the lakes and all that. Well, if you look at the uh, first chapter of Ecclesiastic, verses six and seven, it talks about that, the water returning from where it came. And it talks about a cycle. What an amazing amount of science right there in the Bible. And it just goes on and on and on, the amount of science we actually gleam from God's Word there. Yeah, and, uh, and, and so I also want to say that the, uh, the science of hydrology was founded by a believer who read those verses in Ecclesiastes and said, you know, th th this is how hydrology works. And in fact, if you look at the foundation of many of the disciplines of science, you know, hydro um, hydrology, geology, biology, astronomy, and all those, almost all of them were founded by, uh, a few centuries ago, by Christian scientists who believed in the Bible, in fact, used the Bible as a guide to determine the elements of the, each of those disciplines. Well, none of our operational science really came out of evolution thinking at all, did it? It did not. Uh, and I'm talking operational science, science that we can actually observe and work with today. Right. Came out of Bible-believing Christians. That's right, yeah. And, and we and don't teach that, though, do we? Well, we don't teach it that way, no. And there's other science. Uh, uh, for instance, our modern barges, I understand, are built off the ratio dimensions that the ark was, Noah's ark. Uh, correct. I mean, if you look at the dimensions of the ark in the Bible, and, uh, of course, the ark encounter, in uh, Kentucky now, yes, uh, which is a great exhibit for the truth of the Bible. But the ratios there um, are designed to so that the boat would be able to survive in very rough waters in the ocean. And uh, now you see uh, steamers and other um, modern ships being built according to those dimensions because they realize those dimensions are required for a stable. Uh, and there they are in the book. It's yeah. about what a six to one. Went length width ratio. Yeah, de depending on the the uh, speed of the boat and the, mm -hmm. but it's somewhere around six yes. to eight. Yeah, there's an amazing amount of science in the Bible, and yet uh, people scoff at it. They continue to scoff at it, uh, not knowing they're scoffing. Yeah. at it. they're changing God's words. Oh, Genesis can't mean what it really means. Yeah, but when you look at all that, the science we see in there, that it's never had to change. Why can't they trust the first chapter of Genesis? Yeah. Why well, do they have to change it? Yeah. Uh, well, if you look at the first chapter of Genesis, you know, the word kinds is used ten times. Ten times. Everything, uh, God created every living uh, el uh, organism according to its kinds, and they reproduced after their kinds. Ten times. I think he means that. And kinds is not the, people have to understand, kinds is not the same as a species. It's broader than that. But there is a limit. So, in other words, cats are always cats. Yes, there's house cats, there's uh, uh, tigers and lions and all that, all members of the cat family and dog family, same thing, uh, cow kind, mankind, special kind, but they all reproduce after their kind. And, and if you look at the fossil record, you see that that fossil record supports that, you know, supports that model. Except in textbooks where they hire the artists to draw the pictures. That's, that's the true. Yeah. But when we keep to the observable science, and that's what evolutionists like to talk about, they talk about their observable science, real science. Yeah. What do we see in observable science? Cows produce what? 
cows. Cats produce cats. Dogs produce dogs. People produce people. Monkeys produce monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. We never have observed anywhere something produce something completely different. Right. There, there's nothing in between the different kinds. There, there's that, nothing there other than hiring artists to draw these pictures or wild imaginations out yeah. there. Yeah. We've seen examples of that in, uh, throughout history of the evolution story. Yeah. And, and you have these in the fossil record, you know, you, you follow the fossils of a modern um, living organism. You, yes, you can trace it down vertically and it's all the same for a while. And then all of a sudden, there's no history. There's not, nothing there to connect anything. And so what do they do then? They draw dotted lines in that picture to show how they think it might have happened. But they have no evidence for yes. that. It's an assumption. And this is why you have a passion to go out there and teach, because what's at stake is the next generation. Are they going to learn real science, or are they going to learn evolution? Yes. And uh, more and more, of course, as you know, our, our public schools are saying you must believe in evolution. When you write a, uh, an exam, you know, the questions, you have to state that evolution is how this happened. Yes. And in other words, it turns into not an education system, but an indoctrination, indoctrination. system. That's what's Correct. happening. Yeah. So again, how do they get a hold of you, Dr. Laclama? Uh, well, on my website, of course, uh, HeinzLaclama.com, you can get that. And uh, my email address is uh, uh, Heinz at uh, O as an open, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, A as in Apple, dot com. And the OSDA stands for Open Systems Technology Associates, which is the name of my uh, high-tech consultancy. Okay. So it's been great to have you here on the, on the show here. We've got some great information, your personal background, your passion, your family, your, your credentials are impeccable out there. Real scientists can believe in a six-day creation. Then the Bible, the science we find in the Bible is incredible. So if you need to get Heinz to come to your church, Dr. Laklama here, and speak about creation, evolution, talk about why the Bible is the true religion book. And also, if all of that is true, then we can also trust the fact that Jesus Christ, God, really did come down to this planet. He really did suffer and die on that cross. He really did raise from the dead on the third day. And that His name, Jesus, is the only name under all heaven by which we can be saved. No other name will do it. Only his name. If all the rest of this is true, that is also true, folks. So you have to make a decision in your life. Nobody can make it for you. Whom will you follow this day? Will it be our Lord and Savior and Creator Jesus Christ? Or will it be somebody else? This has been Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle. We have a website out there called creationtraining.org. And we offer training courses, one-day courses such as basic creation training for teens and above. We have a one-day advanced apologetics course for high school and above. We have now, we're going to be introducing a brand new course called Christian Educators Conference, training teachers all over this country and around the world what to teach and how to teach on the creation evolution controversy. So you'll get the truth in these courses. And we have a five-day course called Creation Apologetics Teachers College that we offer once a year. And if you'd like to help us so that we can continue offering these courses around there and get the truth of God's Word, you can find us on the web at creationtraining.org 
or you can email me at info, that's I-N-F-O at creationtraining.org. We need your prayers, and we could always use your finances to help support us getting the truth of God's Word out to the rest of the world. And Heinz, uh, any, any final things you'd like to say? Uh, well, just on the, uh, a little bit more on the um, apologeticsforum.org. Uh, we cover a lot of areas of uh, apologetics, not just Christian evolution, although I regard that as the most important. Also general uh, Christian apologetics and uh, biblical worldview, all three, and they're all tied together. And uh, I do lectures on all uh, topics within that. And we, and we also, for the forum, of course, we bring in different speakers on these topics within that mission statement. And I also want to emphasize that we, our uh, objective, our mission is not to uh, replace the church or parents or our schools. Our bylines, byline states that we are here helping equip believers in the defense of the faith. Wonderful. Focus on helping. N because it ultimately, it's a parent's responsibility to train their children. Okay, and that's HeinzLichtLama.com, how you can find out how to get Dr. Lichtlama to come to your church. Again, this is Mike Riddle. You can get me at info at creationtraining.org. Thank you, and God bless all of you. Our online videos are free for anyone to view or download. However, it does take finances to continue producing these programs. If these lessons have been helpful, you might consider supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can mail a check to CTI, Post Office Box 2415, Eagle, Idaho 83616. Or you can go to our website, creationtraining.org, and make your donations that way. Your donations of $20, $100 or more will enable us to continue to share the good news of God's Word worldwide. As it states in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Thank you and God bless.